0: Legalizefreedom.com.
1: Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host Greg Moffat and today we present the latest in an ongoing series of dialogues with James Tunney exposing the assault on humanity by the emerging global technocratic dictatorship. In the first half of the 21st century, humanity is in a trance, mesmerized in a matrix of propaganda, trash culture and mainstream media manipulation. What was once science fiction is rapidly becoming science fact. You will own nothing and be happy, immersed in a virtual reality of games, pornography and mindless distractions. You will be discouraged from reproducing, therefore you will not be replaced. The goal of a post-human planet envisages a much smaller population and in time, no real population at all. We are at a crossroads in the evolution of the human race. The future is taking shape in the present. Hello and welcome James and thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Always a pleasure,
0: Greg. Looking forward to the continuing conversation.
1: Okay, James. Today, we're picking up where we left off last time, uh, talking about ideas, uh, spinning off from your book, your latest one, The Mythic Aim of AI, Maming the Mind. Now, we're not going to go into biographical information about yourself. There's a link on the interview page for this to your website. And if listeners check out our previous conversations, many of those... Uh, you, you explain your background and your work, et cetera, so people have no trouble finding out about you in that way. Today, we're going to dive straight in, and I do, as I say, urge listeners to check out our previous interviews if they don't have time to listen to all of them. Certainly, the most recent ones are the ones that connect with this. We're talking about artificial intelligence, current trends, future prospects, what all of this means for the species, and there's some very big questions that have been coming up. Uh, I want to dive straight in today to talk about in terms of the progenitors, the creators of artificial intelligence, those who are promoting it, even if they're not actively involved with it, you know, the, the cheerleaders for it. And there's this, I mentioned the, to you offline, the Promethean aspect of this. And there's this idea that, and this is, this is a, a human thing, this is by no means new, but we, we understand things with the, the modern scientific mindset. We, we try to understand things by breaking them down, as it were. You know, we, we try to understand other life forms by dissecting them. And there's this idea of trying to understand life itself by trying to create life, whatever, whatever the force was that that generated life. You know, did, if God made us, then what was it like to be God? Can we take steps on the route to understanding that by trying to emulate this idea? Yes, And there's sort of a, for me, there's a bit of a push and pull between positive and negative with this. The negative is obvious. Uh, you know, in my science fiction review series, I've been talking endlessly about this mad scientist urge—you know—to sort of do something because you can do it. But also, if you're interested in their ancient wisdom, you know, the Hermetic tradition, uh, there's the, there's a the dictum: you must make yourself equal to God, which is about uh, the idea. To, for me, really, and uh, is you know, sort of kind of self improvement, self actualization, that individuation, as it were. And, you know, all of that uh, feels very positive.
0: Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a good place to start because if, working backwards in areas like post-humanism, they are also based on the Promethean idea. So the Promethean idea is very, very important. It's the driving force behind the New World Order, behind ideas of H.G. Wells. Imagine you come out of and uh, Station, Uh, in North London, and you're going to walk to the the British Museum. And if we just even think of it in in terms of around there, because in many senses, this is the area that the New World Order came from. You can understand it if you're located in this space. And if you come out of Euston Station, on the left or straight in front of you, uh, you you have uh, Summerstown. And that's where Mary Shelley used to live with her her parents, uh, William Godwin and, and Mary Wollstonecraft, the great feminist, and her her mother's uh, uh, her mother's grave is there. You can visit behind King's Cross Station, but of course she wrote in eighteen uh, eighteen Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus, and it's a remarkable it's a remarkable book, and in many ways the dreamlike visionary element of it was on a different level than a lot of other work. It was a deep perception of things she was seeing in relation to, for example, the application of electricity to corpses around London and Galvani and and all this, uh, Aldini, all these experimentations with anatomy. So she was reacting to something that was happening uh, after about the time of the French Revolution, the Enlightenment, and she saw it in, in terms of Prometheus as a negative force about this creating uh, a life form. And of course, we on the opposite side, her husband wrote Prometheus unbound, where we have a, a positive view of Pr- Prometheus as a kind of satanic figure or figure like Milton Satan, who is going against the kind of evil superior God. And and, he, and you can see here already some of the origins of the Promethean idea, because Prometheus is between the the higher gods and humans he's in between in some senses uh, may, displaced by the higher gods if you like and he wants to reclaim that position or steal from the gods and this suits people who are in the aristocracy who see that there are people above them whether it be the church or the state or whatever and they want they they want to liberate in in some senses other people didn't didn't mean that they didn't have good intentions but there's, there's a there's a division there and Mary Shelley is of course very cautious about about what Prometheus is and remember that again you can walk you can walk in about ten minutes down to the British Museum and the British Museum of course is where Karl Marx was studying in the Reading Room around there as well we have Edgar Allan Poe we have Deep Mind, for example, in Russell Square started off around the same area. Bernal, uh, we have this was the area down the road where where Lenin met uh, Trotsky for the first time. All of them, we can go through a number of these people, and this idea of a Promethean force, a kind of human version of stealing from the gods, drives this this uh, this worldview, and it's. It's seen to be noble in many senses. Although, if you look at people like Ivan Illich in *Medical Nemesis*, he says, "Well, you know, why are we celebrating this figure? He's a kind of thief, and and it ends badly." And then if we if we shift to, the H. G. Wells lived around there as well, and his. Articulation of the New World Order, which, of course, is always described as conspiracy theory, despite the fact that it's, it's a, an open conspiracy, as he described it, and he, the societies to, to promote this uh, idea. Um, I argue that in the 20s, the British Empire transformed into a different being. It transformed itself into a different being because it didn't want to engage with national struggles like it had in Ireland with uh, independent struggles. So it transformed itself into a new form. It never disappeared. It transformed itself into an international uh, globalist organization based on finance and based on regulation and based on the communication system that it had set up. So that uh, as when Churchill talked in 1943 about the empire of the mind, he was describing something which had been ongoing for, for decades, for, for a couple of generations, going back to uh, Thomas H. Huxley again, who's around this area of London, uh, it's the same area that Eugenics Lab was found with Galton, same area where, where Darwin lived. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable in this, in this little cauldron that we have the, the origins of so many ideas that affected Russia, China, the United States, and still affect us now. And the implication in all of this is that the empire was seeking to control, to control the mind and body in a deep sense, and that the next iteration of control was control of human consciousness. Now, when we begin to, we can talk about the history of science, but when all is said and done, in order to understand what's going on, I I say that the, or argue, that there's a great game going on. And the greatest game of all, Now, the great game, of course, referred to the British Empire struggles with the Russian Empire and uh, disputes in the mid-19th century of Afghanistan, uh, what's now Israel, Crimea, same stuff as, as today. Uh, but the greatest game, the game that the empire has transmogrified uh, is involved in, is in the uh, control of human consciousness. That's what the game is. We can't see things in terms of logical explanations anymore. There are recent books like Control garcia that begins to explain it from a US perspective. And this objective is to control human consciousness. It's very interesting about Elon Musk. People find it hard to interpret him. His ex girlfriend Grimes wrote a song about him uh, and says that he's more in love with the game than he is with me. And he was influenced by Ian Banks, uh, and Ian Banks uh, had a vision of the future, a kind of dystopian future. And this is what Elon Musk says is the future. And people say, "Well, he mustn't have understood what he, what Ian Banks was saying, but he did understand what 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 the what Ian Banks was saying." And people people don't really hear what Elon Musk is is saying sometimes. Although he's saying that he's a speciest and he believes in the human species, he's also saying. He said this week, I think that AI is creating a different species. So, I mean, this this is a uh, this is the 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 problem in relation to the human species. When he when he says about he wants people to reproduce, there's also qualifications. He wants smart people to reproduce, and, and you wonder whether he's getting us ready for ectogenesis, which was always on the plan. It was on the plan of the people like Bernal that lived around there that a hundred years ago told us this was going to happen, and. Uh, where did dystopia come from? Dystopia came as a reaction to all these guys. So if we go back to Orwell, he 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 uses the uh, the Ministry of Truth, which is based on the Ministry of Information, which existed in Senate House off Russell Square, just at the back of the British Museum. We see that in the day of the Triffids. We see uh, Senate House being the centre after there's a uh, apocalypse. Uh, C.S. Lewis and, uh, w- was influenced by the work uh, coming out of this area. And, of course, Huxley was reacting to what he knew was going on around Bloomsbury and the Bloomsbury set. So the dystopia, and we can add in other people from London like Harold Pinter, etc., that kind of anticipated what was coming. It was always coming because this was always this was always a possibility for imperial powers, not just Britain, but certainly Britain was the leading light in this. And psychology in Britain came from Russell Square uh, itself. And the idea of psychic forces was defined by a lawyer who lived in Russell Square. And these were reactions to the X Club. Now, that's important. The X Club uh, of uh, Huxley, 1864, whose objective was to get rid of the spirit in in, in science. So we lo and behold, we have this X Marxist spot right through history up to the present time where it's in your face x art- x space x x artificial intelligence x or p for financial tra- transactions x is on everything associated with uh, with this new world and you say well what is the x i believe that the x probably represents a uh, an indication that we're moving from the previous x which was which represents christianity in the greek to a post christian world uh, which is also implicitly a post world, a, a an ex world, if you like, ex-humanism, because humanism is finishing. The objective is to end humanism. I see artificial intelligence as an instrument of, of, of all these forces. It was it grew out of, it grew out of the idea, uh, you know, of science and technology. The idea of science, the scientist was defined by William Hewell who, of course, was in the Philosophical Breakfast Club with, with Babbage again, who is a, a or trying to solve administrative problems, the father of computing. We can locate him in this uh, general milieu as well. All these inventions came out of administrative necessity intended to organize and control people. The same with the, the telegraph system, the International Postal Union. All these systems created networks and empires transmuted into control of networks. Artificial intelligence is the lifeblood of these networks, and its intention and objective has always been to uh, to manage our intelligence, that we be linked to it. The, the The pattern is absolutely consistent. It was described by the eugenics movement, the evolutionary movement after uh, Darwin, that people said, "Well, we have to intervene in." Evolution, And if you look at a major book, uh, The Promethean Project in 1968 by Gerald Feinberg, and this is an influential text for a lot of science fiction. It was informed by science fiction. He's a scientist himself writing it. And this has influenced a lot of people subsequently, like Ben Goetheel, uh, who, who's heavy into the AI. And uh, that was a book that influenced him. And it's clear that he's continuing this imperial notion about you have space travel, which effectively for the elite, uh, life extension, uh, immortality, uh, increase in intelligence, all through a networked context. So this is, these are not separate movements. These are not phenomena that come from a, an independent phenomenon that's working on its own. These are not magic, as, as uh, Elon Musk is trying to, to, to tell us, uh, that will give us radical abundance. What they're going to do is imprison us because that has always been the intention. There may be benefits on the way, but really it's a control network. And at a certain point, once our consciousness can be penetrated as the thing moves into our body, our identification as a human is gone. We will not have free will anymore. And a lot of people seem to be very happy with that. They don't want free will. I'm going to try and uh, hold on to mine. So this Promethean ideal is a strange attractor that goes through... All of this, this story, the same as the, the the symbol X goes through that seems to be linked with a kind of stamp, consciously or unconsciously represents the known and the unknown, and making the unknown of the psyche known is is, is it has implications and it has continuity.
1: Well, certainly, Elon Musk's decision, if it was his to rebrand Twitter as X, uh, seemed to have absolutely nothing to do with business as such it wasn't a business decision it wasn't you know financially driven decision as i see it um it was definitely heavily symbolic um as for free will certainly we saw that people's willingness in fact, enthusiasm for handing decision making over to others you know during the pandemic period it seemed you know people were just there was a sort of palpable sense of relief for most people it seemed to me uh, yes. conscious you know <laughs> consciously or otherwise it's you know great we don't have to do this anymore big brother big mother whatever has taken over we're presented in all of this increasingly by the, uh, this ine- inevitable picture of uh, you know a technocratic transhumanist takeover of all systems and ultimately human consciousness. One of the themes for today is to look at some of the issues, some of the problems that there may be with that, of the, these goals being achieved that are not widely discussed or even discussed at all, if even acknowledged. And... There may be you know, threads in there that we can develop uh, you know, in future when those of us who, you know, who wish to resist this um, are taking action, you know, whether in, in thought or in deed. One thing that occurs to me is, you know, if you look at the basics of what's being said about artificial intelligence and the various stages of it, the, the very fundamentals here that this is something that is conscious or can become conscious and will somehow be alive, is patently untrue. This is a because mis- there is widespread misunderstanding about what consciousness is, or indeed the nature of life. You know, the origins and nature of life are not understood. But if you ask most people, if you do a vox pop in the supermarket, most people will yeah. say that, it, that both, both these things are generally understood. Yeah, and in fact, that uh, artificial intelligence demonstrates a creation of consciousness, and that the old chemical soup in the lab struck by um, uh, the you know equivalent of a lightning bolt and formation of whatever you know compounds uh under laboratory conditions demonstrated at least the you know how, how in theory how life could have developed. neither yes. of those things are true as far as i'm concerned and it's interesting that all of these attributes all these things as a given for artificial intelligence when if you or I talk about them as I often do on the show here in terms of parapsychology. You know, innate human powers, perhaps that are not scientifically understood and are not measurable or repeatable. These are dismissed out of hand. Oh, this is you um, telepathy and all forms of ESP, basically, and you know remote viewing. Uh, you know that the being able to operate beyond the boundaries of time and space and, and physicality—it's all just a load of hogwash. Again, despite actual scientific evidence for this. You know, as developed by people like Dean Radin, but all of this can belong to artificial intelligence, all of these quote-unquote you know, magical qualities. So that's interesting in itself, not only attributing things to AI that it does not possess, but then dismissing those things that appear to be manifest in humans, perhaps other life forms as well, but certainly in our own species.
0: Yes. A few things came up there, as you were saying that. Uh, the uh, Yeah, I, I have articulated my view which is consistent with a lot of literature across perennial philosophy, that our essence is of light, which I describe as spiritual light. And I, I believe it's it's a a primary uh, constitutive element, if you like, that supersedes all other manifestations. And you can see uh, ideas that emanate in that kind of vein in a scientific context, although I don't rely on science for, for the... Uh, evidence but uh, david bohm talked about ideas of frozen light and, and light in different forms but uh, i i believe that artificial intelligence and uh, will, will never be able, will never possess that aspect of spiritual consciousness so for me consciousness is spiritual consciousness the the adjective is important because it's referring to the thing that they want to take away to convince you that you don't have them to reduce everything uh, that uh, you believe you have to something else. And even people who seem to be saying good things, like Francis Fukuyama wrote a book uh, a long time ago on uh, a, a critique of post-humanism. And he said he identified the elements of humans that he thought were unique, and he described them in general as having a, which is worrying, a factor X that can't be... Uh, can't be explained. Now, in recent times, I've got worried about that use because that's a signal, and he's not hes not uninvolved with some of the major uh, forces. And I've been thinking about that and looking at what some of the posthumanists are saying. So now they're trying to redefine the bits that they can't explain, and they're trying to redefine the notion of sentience and that. So they they're, they're at a stage where they've changed the definition So they'll be able to say that these things are sentient and conscious when they're clearly not, they're simulacra. So in that, what is really critical is that people retain their understanding or their notion or their belief in their own spiritual consciousness. And this is probably the most important thing of all. Don't let them convince you or don't let them persuade you that you don't have spiritual consciousness, that you don't have a spirit. Now, whether you believe in life after death or is another issue. But even before that, in this incarnation, uh, your spiritual beings and all the traditions say that. And in the last 150 years, they've been really working to take that away because once spiritual consciousness is taken out of, uh, of the game, uh, then you're, you're a different being. You're subject to manipulation. You're a lot easier to control. So that's an important thing. And also the vindication, the recognition, the acceptance of your spiritual consciousness, your tre- the treasure of your being, which is higher than all the money, all the wealth, all the billions, etc. Once you accept that, well, it's there from the creativity comes, which will always have possibilities to resist. So that's one important uh, point to remember. The second thing is we also have to be careful. There's a, there's a number of movements which are deceptive, as, as they always are in this context. For example, there has been a, a critique emerging fairly quickly recently that I kind of predicted as a, 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 as, a, as a follow-on from labelling people conspiracy theorists, and this is advanced by people like, like uh, Naomi Klein, not Naomi Wolf, Naomi Klein, and it goes back to an article in 2011 on spirituality, which says that people uh, who believe in certain spiritual traditions, which are unorthodox, uh, are kind of on the far right uh, because they're also against vaccination and other things. So what they're doing is setting up a new category. So if you believe in things like, uh, you know, a- a- any traditional uh, belief system, pagan system for example and you're against vaccination well you're far right automatically this, this is a, a a specific move they're doing and some of the articles on this are actually from beijing the people are, are lecturing in beijing so that that'll give you an idea of what the objective of that is and people should be aware of what has happened uh, you know for spiritual people uh, in china so that that's one element and there's another element there will be there is a kind of entryism now happening in the spirituality where people who don't believe in the spirit are entering to, into spiritual discourse with the objective of convincing people that they do believe in the spirit so that they can utilize that position in order to achieve ideological purposes which are materialist so this is another complication so in all of this what we have to do is Well, from my perspective, is 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 to accept that we have spiritual consciousness, Uh, and if we to explore that in whatever way is appropriate to 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 the person, and when they do, it's impossible to believe that what these technocrats are talking about is the same thing because it's not, and those that spiritual consciousness cannot be, it, it can certainly be copied if you like, but it can never be the same thing because it doesn't possess the same constituent elements, no matter what way it's deconstructed. But we can succumb to a belief and therefore give up our free will if we begin to deny it in ourselves. But that's what all the spiritual traditions, whether Buddhist or Christian, emphasize this importance of what the kingdom is, the kingdom in yourself, if you like, that you have access to. Um, and at the same time, the what is being offered to us is the uh, crow the, the crow being flattered by the fox who's after the cheese. The We're told that the, the from the memo, obviously, that went around, that AI will lead to an era of radical abundance. Well, where does that come from? There's no critical analysis of that. It's just a mantra. It's the same mantra that the Bolsheviks used in Russia, that Mao Zedong used uh, in China, the exact same thing, or that Hitler used. Uh, every totalitarianism from promises this promised land of uh, the, of material uh, prosperity. It's not true. It's not going to happen. It's inconsistent with the other things. I'm not saying that we can't use this for a particular purpose, but that's not critically examined uh, where we, we say, well, okay, there has to be conditions on whatever abundance comes. because We don't want worse, worse technocratic solutions to what we have. We don't want an impairment of the environment we don't want i don't want to live in a glass dome etc so uh, in all of this there is the deeper qualities of discernment that come from a belief in our own spiritual consciousness th- so that we're not fooled by a lot of this nonsense and and also we have to be aware that a lot of the driving force for these people is this intense fearful materialism it's in there in a lot of the people they they're afraid of Mortality. They're afraid of going on to the next life. They're afraid of things happening to them. They're afraid of being sick. They're afraid of what normal humanity is. They're afraid of suffering. And that fear is something that critics haven't sufficiently addressed, that that actual fear that they have uh, is used to project a fear to us that we shouldn't have. Because if you believe in your spiritual consciousness, you're not going to be as afraid as other people will be who believe in these horror stories that they're very good at uh, concocting and uh, actually that's the last point i mentioned it's interesting from the horror genre as well from london if we think of the great god pan from arthur Macken, who lived also around the area around the, the 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 british museum at a certain uh, stage and that was about an operation to connect with the spiritual world gone wrong so he was aware of this idea of interfering with the personality by medical means. We also have of course the serum in uh, the strange case of Jekyll and Hyde uh, and the transformation of personality and also Oscar Wilde, the picture of Dorian Gray there is that idea in the Victorian consciousness that there is going to be some kind of interference with the physiology and uh, and the brain itself in order to alter uh, humanity and all of that is a materialist paradigm which can never replace the spiritual consciousness, but it can impair it. So what what our duty is, is to protect our own spiritual consciousness so that our cognitive faculties are not impaired or our physiological factors so that we're not reduced in our capacity to comprehend our own spiritual consciousness.
1: Well, it's interesting you talked about their fears because further down in my notebook... Uh, for uh, things to talk about (laughs) this evening. I've got the word, two words, their fears, you know, what is it that they're afraid of, but you're talking about this, you know, materialism, as I like to say, in both senses of the word, you know, as a cosmology and also as a lifestyle, a worldview. And this is something I've covered in great detail and depth. in many of my interviews with John Michael Greer is that uh, when you you know, take away the spiritual dimension of of life for people. You know, when where even when conventional religions fall away in terms of power and influence, what you're left with is you know people need something to believe in, and uh, in this case, it, it's shopping, you know, or the internet or whatever, and that's why in this uh, projected technocratic transhumanist era, that these material uh, you know abundance in air quotes. That you mentioned this yeah. radical abundance has to be part of that because if there isn't going to be this transcendent dimension to existence in which material things almost don't matter then what there there has to be 24 7 availability of, of toys and trinkets that and that's one of the problems i think that all of this is going to run into that that is not possible as i see it as one of the things where cognitive dissonance will be triggered the most you know they're saying that well, you can have this and you can have that, but actually we can't. You already see now when they have, um, I think I mentioned last time, the, the British press are using the phrase cost of living crisis for uh, the predicament that a lot of people find themselves in at the moment. And the idea that the price of everything is creeping up, the the quality is going down, availability is becoming patchy, shall we say, but this is nothing new. I mean, this is the this has been the trend for decades back into the, the latter part of the 20th century, you know that the promise of the materialistic age flowered so potently in the sort of uh, in the post Second World War years, particularly in the states, it is now wilting, and that that's not coming back. So this is an inexorable extra downward trend in materialistic terms, but that has to be somehow reconciled. But I mean, how long you can string people along with that, saying no, no, this this these things will be available to you, you know, th- these um these toys and trinkets, uh, and then how long can you feel to deliver that for people?
0: Yeah, uh, well, the reality also is that they may not intend to uh, to supply those things in any way. I mean, I, I have suggested before that in relation to the supply of goods, it, it, they're not capitalists. Uh, these, they're, they're not trying to... Uh, there's no end, or, or capitalism is not the end, the accumulation of capital. It's about control. That's a means... Uh, a means to an end and certainly they will have all the material um, uh, goods that they want but if you can uh, gain access to the human body uh, so that the person is capable of being if you like stimulated or uh, affected uh, by uh, by a system by ai whatever then you may remove the desire or capacity for um, to enjoy a lot of th- those uh, goods and uh, you may create substitutes by activating uh, systems in the brain. And I think that that certainly must be considered because the re- there's reasons why they want to come inside the body. And if they can come inside the body, they can do actually what, what the surgeon was doing in the great God Pan by trying to to do to activate a bit in the brain that would create a relationship with a higher dimension. Well, they they can stimulate parts of the brain. The movement, the movement certainly in the consumer era has been towards sensation, and even there's a lot of spiritual sensationalism. The idea that if you have a sensation, well, that's a spiritual experience. It may be, it may not necessarily be. We will we'll be moving into a more zoo-like situation. So even the animals in the zoo can be happy when they get their feeding time and get some bananas thrown in at them. You know, mm-hmm. so your, 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 your needs will be changed. Don't forget as well that Britain had a sophisticated system of rationing, which is a very rational thing, which the Ratio Club, the cyberneticians, were called who met around uh, Russell Square. Uh, so uh, they, they have done this before. We're moving into an era era and and especially with new systems of payment between banks and companies, the xRP system et cetera x again, which is coming on stream we're moving into an area of cyber insecurity, not cyber security, cyber insecurity and of course, once they begin to break down the systems, then they can they can have all the contingencies they want to and implement any system uh, that they want to in order to uh, to rearrange the goods and services and we've saw I, I never would have believed that people were were willing to give up a few years of their life and stay at home, uh, given the right conditions. I wouldn't have predicted that uh, a few years ago, but they were. So people are also capable of being able to to give up more, and that was just the first taste of it. They know how far they can get. They can measure that. They can anticipate. They can they can feed back. So there is a big problem in the fact that we have become so entrained to sensationalism towards sentiment. And this was an idea, sentimentalism, an idea that Yeats criticised, the idea of this uh, focusing on, on on feelings and sensations in the 19th century. So that, that was obviously in the uh, ether as well. But it's funny, even, it's not just it's not just say practices and social practice say in the christian post christian era if you go back fully enough and this is a thing that critics don't necessarily look at but if you look theologically at materialism in christian doctrine it was a lot more complex because things could change even like doctrines of transubstantiation had an utterly different idea of materialism so even the materialist paradigms are sufficient, insufficiently informed by the range of doctrines that uh, existed hitherto but there's no doubt that the effort is to make us dependent on sensations they can measure now very very accurately how we respond to stimulus we are guinea pigs in this they can test us now and in this controlled society there's a lot of con and there's a lot of trolls it's a trolling system and in, in the context of, again, the, the play by Harold Pinter, The Birthday Party, where we have this kind of, like Samuel Beckett, and it's like Alice in Wonderland, and that was a technique the CIA used as well, where you just make the people so confused that you make them open to, they lose their sense of self. Uh, it's an interrogation technique. It's also a technique of hypnosis. So a lot of this trolling that's going on, Every day you get something which is unbelievable. Uh, It's something that we shouldn't be reacting to in the same way. We should let that force play out as far as we can and deal with things that we do have control over. Because these are precisely designed to distract us. So again, a, a, a part of our focus on spiritual consciousness is to believe it and to focus on things in our control and to be able to distinguish between what's illusory, what we can react actually against and what we what we can't do that concludes part one of our interview part two will be available
1: soon in the subscribers area at legalizefreedom.com legalizefreedom.com